You in some kind of trouble, child? said Ben. Yeah, I'm in a lot of trouble, said Julie. Ben replied, that's a shame, being that it's 4th of July and all. Kids like you should be having fun, drinking, partying, running people over, getting away with murder, things like that. Recognize this movie's quote? Stay tuned to find out, or check out the title of this episode of Talking Pictures Trivia. Welcome to Talking Pictures Trivia, the podcast in which a group of geographically challenged friends explore movies through trivia as an excuse to keep their friendships alive. I'm one of these friends and today's host, Nick, and with me is... Tom. Additionally, joining us as guests this week are... Ben. And Alexis. Thanks for joining us. Ben hosts a three films and a podcast podcast, which also consists of geographically challenged co-hosts exploring movies. You may remember Ben from our World of Apu and Shin Godzilla episodes. Alexis may also sound familiar for those who listen to our Footloose or You Can't Take It With You episodes. Ben and Alexis conveniently still like movies. For those joining us for the first time, we start off each episode with a movie quiz as these pivotal questions will determine who earns today's trivia crown. In round one, each question is worth one point, and in round two, each question is worth two points. Then, once the fierce competition is over, we followed up with our famous movie rant where anything goes. Tom, tell us about today's movie. Today, we are continuing to explore movies related to the new screen film by going back to 1997. Princess Diana dies in a terrible car crash. IBM's computer defeats the current human chess champion, and J.K. Rowling releases a little book called Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. During all of this, Jim Gillespie's movie, I Know What You Did Last Summer, was released in theaters alongside the Wes Craven's Wishmaster, Alien Resurrection, Starship Troopers, and Seven Years in Tibet. Two months later, Scream 2 would be released. Nick will be quizzing us today. Nick. What is I Know What You Did Last Summer all about? Okay, it's real simple. Scream had a bunch of teenage actors. And it was a horror film a year ago. And it was successful. So they decided to get four more popular teenage actors together and create another horror movie. For some reason, there's a fisherman in a hook and somebody got run over with a car. And a year later, they come back and are being terrorized. So I think there's enough for, for us to talk about already, and we're going to just jump right into it. Tom, if you only had one word to describe, I know what you did last summer, what would it be? Trauma. Ben? Uh, as much as I'd like KJ to insert one of Jennifer Love Hewitt's screams right now, uh, I'm going to go with the word wet. Alexis? Go oh, with slasher. And my word would be slicker. It's time for... Question one. I know where the 90s teen heartthrobs first discussed the urban legend of the hooked killer. Where was it? Be specific. Locked in. Locked in. Locked in. Ooh, okay. Everyone seems pretty confident. Uh, ben, we're going to start with you. Um, I'm glad the false confidence came across. I think it was uh, around a fire <laughs> at the beach. Okay. Can you be more specific? Um, Dawson's Beach. That's pretty specific. <laughs> Alexis? Uh, I didn't have the name of the beach. I had the beach 
below the road that they get in the accident on. Tom? I also didn't have the name of the beach, but I had the beach around a fire, and I think Freddie Prince Jr. starts up the story. Right now, Ben has got to get the points because the question did say be specific. So it is Dawson's Beach is where it happened. And the reason is uh, the writer who did this uh, also wrote Dawson's Creek, uh, who also wrote Scream, who also wrote this. In fact, KJ provided me an interesting tidbit before this episode where apparently Scream may have come out first, but this I did not know. I know what you did last summer was a prior script that he wrote that never got made, but one screen was popular. Like, hey, what, what else do you got? <laughs> and that's where this one came. So I really thought this was just thrown together because of Scream's success, but really it was a precursor and just never got developed. So thank you, KJ, for that tidbit of knowledge. If it's wrong, blame KJ. <laughs> Wasn't there a novel? Yes, Lewis Duncan's so? 19, I think 1973 novel, which this had been beaten, which had been beaten around for a script for a while. Um, and it was interesting. There's actually an interesting trivia about her that's very recent, but she had written a number of these like um, teener, teenagers murdering people YA books. And this was, this was one of them. Ironically, Lewis Duncan's daughter was murdered by a serial killer. And this August, they finally caught the person. She was murdered in like the late 80s. And like last August, they caught the guy. Was it DNA? I think so. I don't. I, I feel know, like I that's how really all old murder. Yeah, I was saying. I figured. Mm. I feel like that's how all old murder old cases. Murders, yeah. Are Wait, unsolved. was it the Golden Gate killer? No, it was some random guy. Um, I don't even know. But I think it was in New Mexico. But oh. it was. She used to write about like these kind of serial killer YA teenager things, and it. it happened I'm curious if the book is anywhere close to the movie or, or vice versa really the killers are there's well there's multiple killer um so i'm gonna ruin the book is that perfect <laughs> anybody, anybody gonna read <laughs> spoiler <it>? from this <laughs> early 70s <Yeah. laughs> um there's actually multiple killers there's two killers and it's the it's a boy who gets hit on a bike and it's the older and younger brother of the boy one of whom mm-hmm. is dating the the version of jennifer love hewitt probably a better story than what came to the movie. But the, the reason I, I, I brought this one up, one, because I just wanted people to say Dawson so I could talk about Dawson Creek <laughs> and the connections. But well, you no, talk about the writing. Yeah, there's no, some the, the real, writing. Actually, the real reason I brought this up is I wanted to see if this, if we felt this did or did not fit the horror tropes because right from the beginning, the setup and how it all played out. So I just, I thought that would be interesting to examine as we go through some of these later horror films because in prior episodes we we had seen halloween we've seen some of these traditional ones and now in the 90s there is some that play you know tip their hat and pay homage to that or there's others that kind of try to buck the trends i feel like this one probably played in pretty close to the trope you know just like telling the boogeyman story then the movies about the boogeyman like specifically Candyman comes to mind you know uh recently we, we covered that one it's just like oh yeah we get to hear about it and then we get to see and i think that's kind of what happened here obviously it's not like scream where we're getting all these rules and stuff like that it wasn't as meta at the time obviously with it being written first but 
I think it was kind of cool, you know, the, how they all have different understandings. And even the cop later on is like, oh, that's not what I heard. I heard it this way. So it's definitely some lore in that community. So I, I liked, you know, that kind of introduction to the character. You had the, um, you know, that kind of one by one slasher thing, too, that follows the trope very closely. Yeah, it, it, what's interesting is there's a lot of time between the first murder and the next murder. Most of the movie occurs between, I think you're looking at 30 or 40 minutes between when our first murder is and our, our second murder. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess it's a little different in that sense. It, I think it's a little bit better than your traditional slasher. There's a little bit more interesting camera work, even in scenes that don't necessitate it. Like there, there's this one scene where um, Jennifer Love Hewitt's character like answers the phone and then she goes downstairs and it follows her in a crane shot, mm -hmm. which isn't necessary, but it's a little more visually stimulating for whatever reason. Uh, and the, the dialogue is slightly more punchier than what you might find in like a Friday the 13th. Uh, I could think of the, the scene where they're after Sarah Michelle Gellar's character wins the crown and she's on the dock talking to Jennifer Love Hewitt's character about, um, you know, it's all about the do. They have that little kind of exchange that's very familiar from kind of a Dawson's Creek style episode. Mm -hmm. uh, it sounds even almost like something out of Buffy, some of some of the dialogue. I know you're a uh, Buffy fan, so there might be some bias here. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that had a little feel of that. However, I'm also being fairly generous here. Yeah, <laughs> you know? there's a lot of dialogue that I don't think fits that, but I yeah, think I, I, think, <laughs> I think I might have quoted all of the good dialogue just there. there you go. anyway. So um let it be noted. <laughs> yeah. But I do I will say the the I did like the sort of American lore and this I don't want to call it a traditional town, but a small fishing community. Right there, that seems to the setting seems to fit the kind of urban legend. Not what, what do you call it when it's not an urban legend, but it's still an urban legend? It's a, I think they still call it that. They still call, even though there's no city, it's, yeah. it's still called an urban <laughs> legend. Sure, the, yeah, the, the setting seemed to fit the kind of urban legend that the movie introduces. It's time for question two. What? is the question that Jennifer Love Hewitt's character can't live without knowing. Locked in. I think Alexis knows. What, say that again? What is What Jennifer is the question that Jennifer Love Hewitt's character can't live without knowing? When I give the answer, you're gonna know it. She can't live without knowing. Locked in. Focus on the question part. Uh. Wait, is she is this answered by the end of the movie no it's literally a question the answer is a question i have to be very vague about it because if i worded it in <laughs> yeah. any other way you would all know it so it has to be cryptic i apologize in advance uh i locked in is that, did I totally lose everyone? Because I can give a hint if nobody has any idea. I have no idea. I have Does a... anyone have an inkling? I think I have an inkling, but it seems just very obvious. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> then we're good. I'm not going to give any more hints. <laughs> uh, I, I guess I locked in last, so I'll go first. Yes. Okay, I'm going to say, uh, did he want to die? 
he being David Egan. Okay, I think uh, Ben's next. Uh, my was just why he's coming after them. Alexis, you got to get it. I think you got it. Mine was if he was dead when they dumped the body, which was why I'm not sure. I mean, it, obviously, they know by the end of the movie, but in the middle of the movie and at the beginning, that was what she couldn't figure out. No one's getting points, but I'm going to blame myself for a <laughs> question. It's very obvious. What are you waiting for? Oh, God. Yes. What okay. are you waiting for? <laughs> it's the only question. <laughs> That's a very true. <laughs> so, yes, I thought Alexis was going to get it when she's like, isn't it really obvious? I'm like, yeah, it's the one over the top corny dialogue <laughs> that really jumps out. I, I brought this one up one because I thought it was funny. Every time they do it and they pan out and they do two different angles and I guess it's supposed to be much more dramatic than it comes off, or at least in my opinion. So I wanted to talk about the over-the-top drama <laughs> that is yeah. inserted into this movie. <laughs> I mean, I noticed it a lot on this rewatch. Like, I, I jokingly, I said, I just wanted KJ to throw in her scream as my word, because it's like... <laughs> The last 20 minutes, I was, you know, joking with my girlfriend, like, man, if we had to take a shot for every Jenner love, love Hewitt scream, like, this would be over, because it's just, not, like, she doesn't really have anything to say. It's just, like, <laughs> it's a reaction to everything all the time, which, like, mm. can can work, you know, maybe used a little bit less, but, um, yeah, there was so much drama. I mean, the whole, what do you, like, I think my favorite one is that one around the, she says it at the, when they're at the trunk, right? Like, after they open it up, isn't that one of them? I don't know when she takes them back out though to show them like what's in the trunk and it's that's exactly there. when she does it right after <laughs> okay. he's, he's yeah. toying with us. Yeah. And by the like, way, yeah, like uh, I, I don't want to start. <laughs> I no, you I mean you're I, fine. I could just I go just... off on like why did this guy wait a year? Why is he toying with them? Like <laughs> yes. you live in the, that you know, I know they went some of them went away, but some of them didn't. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And just like was that body and all the crabs like in a tarp that he was able to pull out real quick? Did he get it out so quick with no one else saying? Yeah, there was some of that that I mean I recently listened to you guys scream episode and just talk about how you know it's kind of realistic where it's not like the bad guy vanishes and that definitely had this trope where it's just like the realism of like, well, how did he get in front of her? Like, you know, it's the Michael Myers, like he's walking everywhere and everyone's running. How is he still catching? up but um yeah there's definitely plenty of drama at the end of this movie without a doubt the other one where that's very obvious is when he's chasing um uh, what's her name i'm blanking B -b buffy sarah michelle geller yeah sarah michelle geller when he's or chasing whatever her, her character's name is. yeah the, i don't know any <laughs> helen that's the only thing i know it's helen i was gonna say i don't even know all their names i had to like look them up <laughs> that shows you how much i was interested <laughs> in, in that detail but when she's running to her sister's store and there, it's a park, it's part of a town. And he, she's fumbling with the key, the sister's fumbling with the keys and it's gonna be a real close call. And then look back and he just is not even there. Yeah. <laughs> it's just poof. <laughs> just fine. I mean, that's pretty, that's a horror trope. No, uh, I get it, but yeah. yeah. I, the, the problem you have with the over drama isn't, it isn't, I mean, it's an overly dramatic situation, right? They're being, they're teenagers being, or I guess maybe 20 year olds being stalked by a killer. Um, the problem is these actors with, really the exception of Sarah Michelle Geller and uh, even um, uh, Johnny Glackey, <laughs> who, mm. who made an appearance is they're not really playing actions or what, what you call an acting objectives. They're not playing a goal. They're just sort of announcing lines. And that's why you have Sarah, like by the end of it, Jennifer Love Hewitt's character is just 
it, it seems like she's just squawking. Um, it, it's because she's not pursuing anything. And you, you see it even in her body. You start, when, when somebody stops really pursuing an action, for whatever reason, I don't know why, they start doing parallel gestures. So you see a lot of her arms out and kind of gesturing with both arms at the same time. Like that kind of for? <laughs> yeah, with that. And then spinning in a circle for some, you know, it's it's just actions unrelated to a goal that the that the character is supposed to be pursuing. So it's just like scene after scene of how not to do the basic thing you're supposed to do when you're acting. I also noticed as the movie went on. Jennifer Love Hewitt looked less homely and had less clothes on. <laughs> I don't know if you guys noticed that. Yeah, we, she's we, really we noticed. Like... <laughs> I liked when they had a reason for her to take her clothes off, though. Like using her sweater to open the door. Yeah. Oh, true, true. That was the one concert. time. I'm... Yeah. yeah. It's like, well, that sort of made sense. <laughs> yeah, that, that sweater wouldn't rip. That would just, you know, <laughs> that's a sturdy cardigan right there. Yeah, made the of nylon rope. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's very uncomfortable, but survival friendly. <laughs> yeah, I think it's definitely a trope you kind of have to set aside in most horror movies that the person's just going to escape you know like you said when they're when she's approaching the store we even get the overhead shot where he's obviously in the parking lot like he's at most 50 feet away from the front of the building and he could be at the window but then turn around and he's just gone but it provides a little suspense and i think this movie really uh used it to its fullest without a doubt uh i think the the killer had a cool look i think the slicker and the hook was a, a cool thing it wasn't as cool as um as Ghostface, uh mm-hmm. but it, it was it was fine. I think the hook is a very appealing kind of murder weapon. I liked it in the setting too. Mm-hmm. You know, it had the nice effect at the parade where you can see the killer everywhere. Mm-hmm. In a fisherman's town, yeah, not yeah. the only slicker. That that's why my word was slicker. Actually, <laughs> the fisherman slicker. <laughs> yeah, I think it's definitely where it was the most effective. That whole parade scene, you know, it it just made sense where they were at. It's like, yeah, I can see people dressing up like that, and it's also a great cover for a killer to be wearing that. Yeah, where if you were like in a city, it's not gonna. Yeah, work exactly. So uh, he's in a, you're he's a slicker with slicker. your giant hook. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why are you on the slicker. subway? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you might see that in the city. Just <laughs> the other way. Yeah, city island maybe. No, to be fair, in the in the parade, I'm not entirely sure why everybody was wearing the rain hat. It was, yeah. A, yeah. It was a very lovely day. Yeah. I don't know what they were. They were guarding it's a combo suit you gotta wear it all together it's like a uniform you know fair enough just looks silly without the hat (laughs) yeah seriously tom come on do you not know fisherman's fashion (laughs) Uh, i guess i don't (laughs) okay after round one ben is in the lead with one point and i know tom and alexis are hopefully getting some points in the second round if anything we can blame the quizzer for these obscure questions but if i didn't do it this way the answers would be way too obvious (laughs) we'll be right back after this brief message from one of our valued sponsors and now a word from our sponsor water into wine water into wine provides you with all your non-alcoholic wine needs Unlike other non-alcoholic beverages, which seek to replicate the taste of alcohol, Water Into Wine knows you want your non-alcoholic beverage to not always taste just like its alcoholic counterpart. We provide a clear, 
non-alcoholic wine that is water-flavored for a delicious after-dinner drink. Corked, just like any other wine, water into wine is just as easy and fun. Pop off the cork and pour the cold, clear, water-flavored liquid into a wine glass and no one is the wiser. Our wine, far from fermented, is gathered from some of the finest sinks and spigots in the Napa Valley region, as well as drawn from some of the finest bathrooms and kitchens in all of France's legendary Bordeaux region. Just because your wine doesn't have alcohol, or is fermented, or has color, or has taste, doesn't mean it isn't sophisticated. Water into wine. No one will be the wiser. And we're back. We're at the critical point of our episode where we ask the guests a key question. This one's going to go out to both Ben and Alexis. If you could write your own sequel for I Know What You Did Last Summer, what would the plot be? It doesn't have anything to do with the actual sequels that followed, which is probably a good thing. Yep. Uh, but I'm curious what you have. So, Ben, you want to start us up? Yeah. Um, I mean, before we recorded, we were kind of talking about the MCU and stuff like that. And my simple brain was like, I want a Kevin Williamson cinematic universe. I want Sidney Prescott coming over for I still know oh, what you did last summer. Let's have a very screen. good. I know we did last summer crossover. Party of five. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's get the whole gang back together. Um, I know they're on like different coasts. I don't know if the story is like they're meeting up in the middle on like a college break or something like that because they're both in college by the time the sequels come around. But I don't know. Mm. Those I thought that'd be fun. Like, I mean, I, I love Nev Campbell. So any way I can get to work her into the movie, I'm going to do that. So I just think, yeah, it might be kind of fun to kind of see them. You know, they're, they're pretty notorious final girls, you know, like Jamie Lee Curtis and stuff like that. So it'd be cool to see them working together. So that's what I would go with. Mm. I don't even think that's much of a stretch, even based on the time frame of when it first came out. I mean, I have these yeah. linked in my brain, as I keep saying over and over, just because of that. So mm -hmm. why why not actually uh, blend the universe to happen. be the same? Yeah. yeah. Who'd the killer be? Well, I mean, that's why I don't know. It's like, do you have like, did you bring them both over? I don't. I know. think he has. I think it's Ghostface with a hook. Okay. Yeah. So I like it. There you go. There it is. It's right there. It's a combo. <laughs> now, Alexis, what direction are you thinking? Um, I think it's going to be real obvious. I only write nonfiction because at the end of the movie, I was like, oh, it'd be nice if they just found the body and she was able to finish college in peace. Um, I, I'm not, uh, you know, not very imaginative in the writing world, but I think uh, what I was thinking about it, I, I was ha hoping for just a happy, peaceful ending, which is not a movie. Um, <laughs> but so I think realistically, my sequel would probably have ended up being, you know, exactly what the next sequel is. Like, he just comes back to the same town and terrorizes the teenagers again. So. <laughs> she goes into a PhD program and it's much, much worse. <laughs> she wishes she was dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love it. It's awesome. <laughs> That's great. I, I like the idea of like 
the summer the serial killer tried to kill me as becoming nostalgia as you grow older <laughs> and uglier and there's fewer years ahead of you and and all the joy of and the adventure of life gets sucked out you're like whenever i remember oh, when i had excitement in my life yeah. <laughs> middle-aged and joey and nothing's going on I wish a serial killer would come and try and finish me off. I'm just working on reviewer two's edits at 4 a.m. <laughs> now that is a scary movie to me. I'll tell you that. <laughs> it's time for question three. You did not miss the first kill in the plot, did you? Who was it? Any thespian we saw on screen? Locked in. Boston. You like my cryptic questions? They continue. They do continue. Can I get a repeat? Or something? <laughs> <laughs> you didn't miss the first kill in the plot, did you? Who was it? Any thespian we saw on screen? Uh, I mean, I guess I'll lock in. Is it with who was killed? Is that what we're asking? <laughs> I still don't know. Okay, if I so so that's yeah, completely fine because it, it's meant to be that way. <laughs> I mean, I can so, throw out an answer. So, so sometimes, sometimes when we do these kind of questions, it has to be an on-screen kill. Okay, mm. but I'm just saying, who was okay. the first to die? Any okay. actor we actually saw on screen at any point? Okay, yeah, I think I'm locked in. I I believe the first one we see. I'm first, right? Because I came in last. Is that right? I don't, did Tom even lock in? I don't know. I locked in, in pretty quickly. Yeah. Oh, okay. 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 Mm -hmm. Okay. So, yes, Ben, it is you. I think it's Johnny Galecki, Max. I think that's the first one. Okay. Alexis? I thought it was Danny Egan. I thought he, I might be wrong. I thought he died that night. So, we see him first on the rocks. And then I assume her father kills him before they hit her father with a car. Okay. Tom? I had I had David Egan. I thought his name oh, was his name um, is probably David. Yeah, we we he's the first one to be murdered. The first person to die who we actually see is Susie, who we do see in photographs. But Susie is Susie is not murdered, so I'm not really sure. So I'm hedging my bets because I <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with David, I suppose. Hey, I'm actually happy with the way I asked this question because this is exactly the kind of uh, thought process I wanted to uh, engage in. Because how do you get this movie and try to go deep? This is how you do it with minutia. <laughs> so, so the ones who are going to get the point on this one, and, and Danny is close enough to David, okay? Nice. So so uh, Tom and Alexis are going to get the points. We do see at the beginning of the movie uh, a random gentleman sitting on a cliff, and later we find out it was David Egan, and we do know that David Egan was killed by mm -hmm. the killer. Um, so I did count that. So yes, the points are going to go to Tom and Alexis. Still a very close match here. And I wanted to use this as an opportunity to talk about the various victims in this movie. And you know what? I, I'm glad, Ben, you brought up Max because RIP Rip Max. <laughs> did, did he deserve to die? Like, did no. he really? Like, what was up with that? He got the raw end here. I think... I think I only answered him because I was in my head about the wording. I was like, 
but we didn't see Egan die. Like we know he did, but like we saw <laughs> Max just get gutted, you know, <laughs> but there were like plenty of, you know, victims in this movie. Uh, I, I think, do we see almost all of them that they talk around the fireplace, like all the different ways that people are killed? Like, do we see that throughout the movie? I think like kind of get filleted up the middle and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, Max just was wrong place, wrong time. He should not have been catering that party and driving that truck <laughs> late at night because he got the real raw end of the deal here. And he doesn't even like get toyed with. He's like, I'm going to kill you and use you as a tool or a toy to taunt the other people. Like it was like the worst of them all. Yeah. And in my opinion, to me, it, it, like you just said, it's the worst. It's just like the way it gets done, how we see it, you know, and him getting dragged across. Like it's, it's the worst kill in the whole movie for me. Yeah. It's, uh, I don't, why does the killer kill him? Cause he was there that night. He doesn't know anything about it. And it also disadvantages the killer because now this guy who, you know, now there's not an alibi. There's not a, a, a different suspect to throw to throw light on or, or to distract. Right? I never so, got he it. Cares he was just a prop. He was yeah. A prop. yeah. Yeah. I I don't think Ben Wells really gives a damn. You know, like he, yeah, the man's out of his mind. But it, it does doesn't really make a lot of sense why he would go at Max. Other than I guess if you were there that night you're kind of guilty by his his logic but he toyed with everyone else who was there that night and he killed i guess because he was he wasn't in the car but so i'm gonna brutally murder you first but you drove by you. and didn't know yeah. Yeah, you didn't help me, so I'm just going to kill you right away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, to Tom's point, though, I agree. Like, I think leaving him alive gives, you know, the cops one more suspect to go after to maybe buy yourself more time because kind of the Freddie Prince thing. It's like, oh, well, who has a slicker? Like, who has access to these kind of hooks? So it would make sense to keep him alive. But, yeah, poor Max just got it. <laughs> really I bad. do like, though, when they make uh, the camera really focuses when he puts that hook down in the ice mm -hmm. and then deliberately show you that the hook's not there anymore. Anymore. I will say I did enjoy that. <laughs> yeah, that little hole in the ice is a nice touch. <laughs> yeah, it's like a believable setup for why this would be a weapon. You know, if he's just coming out now, it's like, I'm just going to get the first thing I can. So it totally makes sense. Oh, I don't think that Ben cares too much about the cops. Right, like nothing he's doing really seems like he's trying to evade the cops or is worried about these teenagers calling the cops. He just kind of seems hell-bent on revenge and i don't you know like thomas said he's not he's a madman i don't think he's really got too much logic or reasoning or thought mm -hmm. of what happens as a consequence when he's doing this well even when sarah michelle geller gets killed like they're very close to a parade i mean this guy's crafty but he's not necessarily like checking every angle to make mm -hmm. sure that no one's gonna see him you know yeah, very lucky yeah. the parade's going and the fireworks are going off. So <laughs> <hear her> <laughs> Loud bands. That really worked out for him. Yeah. <laughs> he knew it was coming and she'd go down that alley. <laughs> yeah, I think to Alexis's point, too, like he doesn't really care about the cops. He's he's just hell bent on revenge. He's he's like a guy who's kind of been undone by the like, trauma of what's happened to, to his daughter. It seems like, and that what that that trauma seems to have just fractured him it's kind of undone him um and he's sort of now revisiting that trauma upon everybody else and it seems like if he if he makes this into a pursuit or a story or a goal something like that then 
he could kind of like funnel that that trauma, that death of his daughter into something else, namely the, the killing of these teenagers. So like the killing of Max then makes sense there. It's part of this story. It's part of this suspense. Um, and so in a case like his his traumatic experience sort of reflects the the four the, the four sets traumatic experience of having killed quote unquote killed David Egan. Um, you know they're both kind of unable to get away from the past. They're both Ben Willis and the four teenagers are sort of fractured by the past in the same way. Yeah, no, I think that that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I also think he's the best actor in the movie. Mm. Wow. Yeah. yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, that's a good point. Him, I actually think John, is it Johnny Gleppi who plays Max? That sounds good. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think he actually is also, I mean, it's like basic stuff, right? It's like playing in action. Um, but you're right, I think that um, he, Ben Willis, when we, we see him, he's not like screaming or raging. He's just mm -hmm. sort of, he does grimace though. We do get the, that face yes yeah but that's yeah. kind of his personality I think yeah i did like the creepy tone we got whenever we went to go visit Anne Heche. i think she played <laughs> that role pretty well too just like this woman just always has a knife on her and it's just yeah. like is ready to go at any time so i i liked you know going to see her house as well yeah i did a scene with Anne Heche once. anyway good explain oh. yeah <laughs> <laughs> i was uh, i was doing like background work for Anne Heche movie. There was in a scene with Anne Heche. That was, that's the whole story. What movie? <laughs> it never was released and I don't know the name oh, of it. No. It was something, yeah, it was like a like romantic comedy that I'm pretty sure was never released. They, the idea was you don't, you can't see the faces of any men in whatever world they were in. Like they're always kind of outlined. So I, I never saw the movie or learned what the title was. Hmm. But interesting. We wouldn't see your yeah. face anyway. You, <laughs> yeah. I, since it wasn't released. <laughs> so no, no, I'm saying the premise of the movie. Yeah, yeah, the premise of the movie. You wouldn't be able to see, see me anyway. Yeah. Oh, with Anne Heche, I wasn't sure if her character was just ill-defined or if she was all over the place. I agree with you. I think she was kind of chewing the scenery and... I mean, she was like a little bit Buffalo Bill indicator mm -hmm. from, but at other times she was also, like when she was talking about Billy Blue, she seems like a normal person all of a sudden, right? right. She's not like a woodland lunatic. She's just, yeah. you know, she's just a somewhat lonely mid twenties, you know? Um, but yeah, I agree with you. I think she was kind of back and forth between having a grounding character and kind of chewing the scene with this is similar to what Chris was saying when we were talking about Scream and when it first came out, they wanted the principal to almost look like a potential person who was the killer. Mm. They did the same thing here where they, there's only so many people were introduced to and we're like, hey, she's a little suspect. So I think that's why they hammed it up a bit. Yeah, without a doubt, especially, I mean, I know they're doing it for the jump scare, but when she runs to the car window to return the cigarettes, like, you, this car is not moving. You did not need to like run this <laughs> Slams on the window, like, here's your cigarettes. Like, oh my God, okay. <laughs> she was definitely, yeah, earning her paycheck that day. <laughs> yeah, she didn't need to eat, eat the, from the food truck either. <laughs> it's time for question four. 
Last summer was bad news for most. Who was the only main character living up to his or her potential? Locked in. Wait, we're okay. We're talking about the first summer of the movie. Who's the only character living up to their potential during that summer or during the summer where everyone dies? Last summer was okay. bad news for most. Who was the only char- main character living up to his or her potential? So after last summer. So which summer? <laughs> the majority of the movie. Okay. Thank <laughs> so, during the times between the summers is the- where they're hitting their stride. Or not, I guess. Yeah. Or, or, yeah, yeah, sure, go for it. <laughs> okay, I'm locked in. I think we're there yeah. with what I'm yeah, asking. Yeah, locked in. Mm-hmm. Um, ben, you're, see, they, they know the trick. They just lock <laughs> in quick. You know? I, I, it's, it's smart. I feel like the only person living up to the potential is Jennifer Love Hewitt is Julie, because she actually went to college and stuff. And, like, yeah, I, I mean, that's what I'm going to go with. Alexis. I was going to say Ray because he's not doing what he wants to do, but he's like fulfilling his, you know, destiny sounds like a stupid word for this, but he's fulfilling the following in the footsteps of his father. Who he doesn't know, but just knows he's a fisherman. Yeah, that's the only thing he knows about his father. So now that's what he's doing. I, I was going to go with Barry. I thought he became a quarterback. Okay. Right. Didn't Barry become the quarterback at the Ryan Phillippe's character at the Well, let me college? tell you where the points go. All right. So the points go to Tom and he will be taking down Aha. this episode. And the reason, Alexis, nice. you had a very good answer. But the reason I did not go with that is because that is not what he was expected to do. He kind of pivoted in that direction when things fell uh, apart with Jennifer Love Hewitt. He was supposed to go to New York and do some other stuff. But Barry is the only one when they're sitting at the beach, which was Dawson's beach, that actually did what they talked about. So Sarah <laughs> Michelle Geller yeah. didn't go to New York and become this amazing actress. Jennifer Love Hewitt was barely, and this is why Ben, barely passing. She was actually doing very bad in school. And her mother was like, I don't know who you are anymore. You don't come home. Mm-hmm. So the only one who actually stayed on path and was a complete jerk about it, but <laughs> did stay on path was Barry Cox. So Tom, congratulations nice. on the points. But I wanted to bring up, and this is why even before the episode, I try to give like some categories or thoughts that we might want to talk about for each question. And in, in quotes, I put villains, okay? Because villains come in all shape and forms. I, I know Benjamin Willis is the main villain of this, but some of these, like Barry's a jerk too. Like, like who are the villains of this film? I mean, the non-responsive uh, family members and cops don't help. <laughs> like none of them will leave anybody. It's like, I'm being chased by somebody. It's like, I don't know if you are or not. Really? I'm going to go help this guy out and lock you in the back. So, I mean, you could definitely, I think, interpret them that they're the villains to our, our main characters. That's for sure. Oh, I was going to say in the beginning, it really feels like Barry is the villain when like you wouldn't mm. have gotten in this accident if you weren't being such a jerk. And then, you know, you're the main driver to leave the scene and dump the body and uh but he's also you know one of the main characters and you're supposed to at least not want him dead yes yeah i mean the idea of villainhood is 
because what you have is you have these characters who've done something that's that's harmed them um, and harmed somebody else. You know, they're, they're living with guilt. And at the end of the movie, the fact that they've had to deal with this guy trying to kill them has sort of exonerated them from guilt. Like they, they've had to go through this, or Julie and Ray are the only ones who survive, had to go through this horrible experience. And now they're no longer the villains, right? They're no longer people who are guilty of this, this horrible thing. And I don't know what happens to Ray, but Julie can now be successful in college. You know, she's on the Dean's list, we learn at the end. Um, Apparently she's with Ray because they were talking on the She's phone. still, yeah, still mm-hmm. with Ray. I don't yeah. know if Ray moved to New York and became a poet. Was that what his, his big dream was? He was... Uh, as long as he did it in a coffee shop, he was happy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I think barista. <laughs> yeah, maybe that was his goal. He's got the turtlenecks from the ship. You know? <laughs> and the blind stare. By the way, I'm not picking on baristas. I'm picking on Freddie Brinch Jr.'s portrayal of Ray. Yeah, well, it's just ambiguous what he is supposed yeah, to be doing yeah. in New York. But um, that, that seems to be the idea, is that they're, they're no longer the villain. They're sort of off the hook, which is kind Literally. of... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, you know why? Because <laughs> I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it. But they're like, oh wait, we almost killed a murderer, so it's okay now. <laughs> yeah. When yeah, you're gonna which... run over someone, you better make sure they're dead, you know? Yeah, well, it's cheap, right? It's a little cheap, right? Because what's interesting about the movie is these people are getting stalked and they kind of deserve it until we get to the end when it's like the guy isn't dead, and also he was murdering somebody else so it's kind of fine it's it's like um it's a little bit of uh they sort of get off of the god what am i trying to say they get out of the the guilt that you Mm -hmm. you think they're they Mm -hmm. have or they think they have yeah you get back on dean's list i mean that's just the way it works (laughs) yeah well it's recovery right this is how you recover this is my word was trauma this is what happens when you recover from drama is the idea is that you can um stop reliving the memory but put the memory into a kind of narrative context this is what freud is talking about and um i think it was studies in hysteria and then he had another book in the 20s about this beyond the pleasure pleasure principle there it is um beyond the pleasure principle from 1925 it's you put the trauma into a narrative and then you can heal and move on right you can kind of speak about it talk about it and they can't, because of their pack, literally speak about what happened. Mm-hmm. It's only when the letters start coming in that it forces it to become something they relive. And once they relive the entire experience, they can now, you know, be on the Dean's list or do whatever the hell Freddie Prince Jr. is doing at the, at the end of the movie. <laughs> um, the, the problem I have with it is that, like, they just find out the trauma actually wasn't real. It never actually even happened. So it's a little cheap. It's time for Movie Rant. So I don't know if you noticed it with my cryptic questions, but I thought I was super clever. The first words of every question spelled out, I know what you did last summer. Ah. Ah. I like it. (laughs) Continues. Well, we made you rephrase the questions. There's a reason. reason. (laughs) They were were written that way. And in fact, my... uh, Two bonus questions, which we didn't have to get to, began with still and always, because those were the sequels. Nice. Uh, nice. In fact, I, I actually, I'll ask them real quick, and I don't know if anyone else has any other trivia, but the, the questions were going to be still more. What is the name of the town? Anyone? Just You don't have to lock in. Just. Oh, it's like Portsmouth, North Carolina, something like that? Uh, Southport? 
Southport. It is Southport. Southport. And, and Tom, wow. you actually, my next one was always another bonus question. What state? And you actually got it. I didn't know if you'd get nice. uh, Yeah, the, from the uh, first in flight, the license plates. So the, uh, yeah. No longer yeah. first in flight. It's like first in freedom or something now. Oh, oh really? Yeah, because um, the brothers didn't, Wilbur and uh, didn't live in North Carolina. They just had their first flight on kitty beach (laughs) and then i don't know why i forget what state they lived in but has really they really had an issue with north carolina claiming first in flight and finally Mm. north carolina gave it up (laughs) yeah that's interesting i thought they were from ohio right yeah yeah that's their names i don't know yeah i I know orville and wilbur right i don't know how i just like no, I guess elementary school. Yeah, that was just like, ingrained. That's, for some that's reason, crap. They flew for the first time in North Carolina. <laughs> they are from Ohio. Ohio, I guess, didn't like it. Yeah, I don't won't defend anything Ohio does. Uh, yeah, I just know that the license plate changed. <laughs> Fair enough. Dude. Unfortunately, Wilbur apparently died of typhoid fever. So yeah, uh, that's a bummer. Orville um, just a, just a heart attack, but uh, typhoid fever that seems pretty threatening. <laughs> Welcome to Movie Rad, folks. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, uh, I know I just threw out some uh, random trivia. Anyone else got anything from this film? Uh, I had one that I thought was kind of a funny part of the movie. Uh, after the overnight incident, does anyone remember what Julie referred to uh, Helen's hair as? Oh, oh. shish. Um what's the one with fish like chopped up fish? sashimi no but she referred to it as coleslaw yeah coleslaw oh yeah. coleslaw i i thought that was super funny and i really just <laughs> like that scene because it was like we were kind of led to understand how much uh, helen loves her hair earlier in the movie and this to me felt like just a weird slasher version of like the godfather and the horse head thing you know it's like make her an offer she can't refuse you know i'm gonna get rid of all this hair i just thought it was super funny that's like the one thing that he could really connect with her on it's like all right let's take away her her beauty and then um just immediately punching a mirror after seeing that on there i don't know what i would do but i don't know that i would punch a mirror like that when it's got you know the soon on with the lipstick on her mirror and it's the first thing she does like that seems so dangerous but <laughs> she's probably super freaked out so mm-hmm. this is completely random but all i could think was that her sister was the love interest in billy madison <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the yeah. Same actor. i'm like i know you from somewhere <laughs> richard wilson right i think is her name yeah, yeah veronica uh, vaughn yeah i kept thinking she looks exactly like she still looks exactly the same and then i realized that i don't think i've seen a movie with her since the 90s i've just seen those movies more recently (laughs) was she sonya blade in the first mortal Kombat? yep ah yes she was she was excellent in that wonderful picture (laughs) one day do um nice yeah apparently she was in last action hero as well oh i think she was like the the, I don't think she was the love interest. I think she was the daughter of Arnold Schwarzenegger's character. I don't know. I just you know how they tell you like in like IMDb known for she's known yeah. for Mortal yeah. Kombat, Billy Madison, Last Action Hero, and House on Haunted Hill. She's a nice. She's a nineties gal. That's what she's. Yep. Yep. She made her money. Um, now she's married to Pete Sampras. <laughs> is she? Oh wow. Oh okay. That's interesting bit of trivia. <laughs> Tom, just like you said, welcome to Movie Rad. <laughs> yeah. 
there is a scene inside the family store where I think it's when Julie first shows the note to Helen and we get like this like long stare from her sister mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it's just like and it never really plays out it doesn't feel throughout the movie obviously I think it's just led to like make us think like oh maybe she's involved somehow I was kind of bummed that that never really seemed to I don't know get fleshed out or anything no, she just really hates her sister. <laughs> yeah, I was, just like, that's, I was just reading way too into it. Like all, every question tonight, I was like, oh, okay, there's going to be more. Like, <laughs> well, it is a deep movie about sibling rivalry and, you know, the relationship you have in those interdynamics. Mm -hmm. um, so you're just seeing a lot of that there. <laughs> I think that's it's coming from an only child. So that's probably why I was like, I don't understand what's going on here. <laughs> Yeah, oh, actually, yeah, everybody was an only child but Buffy, right? But Helen? Uh, yeah, yeah or at least we're, just, we're not introduced. Yeah, yeah we're not yeah, told yeah, about their siblings. Yeah. Yeah. Because Jennifer Love Hewitt's dad would die, which your mm. dad died, which had the odd line of, if your dad could see your grades, he'd be rolling over in his grave. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not wow. sure how that's going to work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just insert this. Yeah, this something people say. Um, but I so one maybe one thing to to, <laughs> to, to put down is uh, about what I liked is um, the the world of the parents is very separate from the the world of the kids, mm -hmm. which is pretty traditionally slasher. Um, but we really don't see. We see the mother of Jennifer Love Hewitt's character, Julie, uh, who has that weird line, and then she's gone for the rest of the movie. Helen's father we meet, but he's completely inattentive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he doesn't even turn to look at her when she says hi and goodnight to him. Yeah, so there's this whole, like, like the world of adults almost seems like alien. And then Ryan- I Felipe, think Mrs. Cox is, is like, she might be at the house when they go to see She's on Barry. the phone, yeah. Yeah, like, like she's um, in the credits. That's what I'm, like, looking at here. <laughs> but yeah. that's about it. And then Ray is doesn't know who his parents are, right? Or he doesn't know his father? At least the he father. Know his right? father. Yeah. I assumed he knew the mother. Yeah, who the but... mother was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that that seems to be fairly traditional. I can't think of a slasher movie where the the adults become a part of it. It seems to be about uh, slasher movies always seem to be about like the like reaching that kind of peak age of of about to become an adult when you first have kind of sexual awareness and, and first want to take risks. That initial age of wanting to take risks and then comes in the the killer in some form or or another. Um, and that seemed to be consistent here where adults simply don't have access to that need for risk anymore um, and, and those kind of experiences. My other reading of this movie is that it's about peaking in high school. <laughs> like this, this is the experience of, of peaking in high school, that, that kind of phenomenon um, where everybody thinks they're going to go off and do wonderful things. And in fact, in fact they actually just suck. Uh, they just... <laughs> sucked a lot less than everybody else in their tiny little high school that they went to. So that was my other reading of this movie. I like that. Mm -hmm. I probably should have brought this up with the tropes, but there was something that happened on the beach that I thought was super forced. So you know how like in some of the horror movies, like there was the virginity armor, you know what I mean? Like, if you're, so Ray and uh, Jennifer Love You, it's Julie. They're having a serious conversation. Then all of a sudden they're getting frisky on the beach. He's like, do you really want to? I'm like, 
are they trying to imply something here just to kind of like get it out of the way that she's not a virgin anymore? Like it was so like forced. I don't know. It it felt weird. Right. And they've been dating and like, like what? (laughs) It really felt like she can die now. Yeah. Yeah. Like, okay. We checked (laughs) that box. (laughs) But they did that in scream very well. Right. Yes, but they and, didn't and do it well here. Yeah. Here it was just like check. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I think that scream really put to put to rest that trope. Yeah, um, yeah, and yeah. I, I don't know why that had to be revisited here, other than to show that, you know, what was lost was that they were a really good couple, and now they're not a couple anymore um, because this seemed very forced. <laughs> yeah, 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 I don't know. Uh, sure. Uh, we don't have to go any further. I just had to bring it up that it just seemed like, like every time I, like, even back in the day, I was like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. And it's not actually Freddie Prince Jr. ended up married to Sarah Michelle Geller, right? Or yes. It still is, yes. I think. Yeah. They have a very successful Hollywood marriage. Yeah, they're in a dishwasher commercial together. Oh. Like that shows you how solid they are right there. And, and he's household appliances. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's yeah. the real money. Well, until he's dancing with vacuums, he won't really have made it. <laughs> he okay. actually does, this is completely random too, but he does like voice acting for, I think, some of the Star Wars like anime yeah. shows. Oh, that's Star it. Wars stuff. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. And it is WWE, right? He's a wrestler? That, well, I, I don't know. Don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know. I'm pretty sure he was in the WWE. I don't know in what capacity. Not in <laughs> active? <laughs> Interesting. I, yeah, I, it, he was a performer of sorts. I'm not entirely sure how wrestling works. I, I've, I've I mean, David Arquette it. was there, so I would believe Freddie Prince at, at some point as well. So, <laughs> What did knows? David Arquette do Just made in the rounds? wrestling? <laughs> I don't I know he made a movie about wrestling, and I think it's while he was filming that that they were... He, mm-hmm. I think he was like in WCW or something like that. And they mm-hmm. yeah, gave him some character plot line. I don't remember exactly what it was, but yeah, he was in there for a little bit. David Arquette seems like more of a wild card than Freddie Prince Jr. Yeah, though. very, yeah, mm-hmm. very true. Yeah. He's up for that. Mm-hmm. Well, I saw one of the sequels. Um, I still know what you did last summer, which I remember being quite bad though it did include jack black which is always a, a positive i would say oh that's right yeah he was the i don't remember it i did see white guy with dreadlocks yeah which is, yes. which is it's yeah <laughs> it's a bad look but jack i don't remember black the premise is, at all like at all. well the do we want to spoil it does anybody care <laughs> enough about yeah. but I'm watching after this. I was yeah. going to say, I don't think we're going to have another episode on it unless someone requests it. <laughs> yeah. I, well, it's Ben Willis's son is the killer. Oh, mm. oh, oh, yeah. Wait, didn't they set it up perfectly to be Ben Willis that they never find the body? Yeah. I, yeah. It doesn't really work with the ending <laughs> of this. <laughs> Right, because the implication is that he comes back, right? Right, because yeah. they, you know, we'll find the body soon. We always do. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, they but he's don't. no good. He lost his hooking hand. You know what I mean? Like, oh, but now he could put a real <laughs> hook in there. Yeah, <laughs> like Captain Hook. Yeah, you could be all hook. It's mm-hmm. definitely an improvement. Yeah, all hook all the time. <laughs> I'd like to once again congratulate our winner of the week, which is Tom, who got through all of my cryptic questions to try to make a very simple movie a little bit more complex to uh get the correct answers so yeah, congratulations yeah. you really did earn it because i didn't make it easy this time. i did earn it yeah <laughs> i'm the best 
Everything okay. sucks for me. <laughs> Welcome to my childhood. <laughs> no, that was James's childhood. <laughs> you can find more of our content wherever you listen to podcasts on our YouTube channel, Twitter at Talking Studios, and our website, TalkingPicturesTrivia.com. We're extremely grateful to all those who subscribe, like, follow, and leave a review. What is your biggest regret from last summer? Let us know on Twitter, TalkingPicturesTrivia at gmail.com, or give us a call at 201-467-8679. Thanks again, Ben and Alexis, for joining us today. Yeah, thank you so much. The three-timers club for myself. I'm very excited about that. I'm looking forward to number four. There we go. Yeah, we'll definitely we have too. you back if Absolutely. you can uh, squeeze us in your schedule. For sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. We've had some of you guys on our pod and three films in a podcast. You can find us anywhere at three films pod. If you feel like following me, I'm just everywhere at Benny burrito. Check it out. It's a good pod. I've been on it twice for uh, uh, the Apu trilogy mm -hmm. and for um, close encounters of the third kind. KJ has been on there for a spirited away. And if you're like a big Marvel fan, they have great Marvel content. I think, as of today, right when we're recording, you dropped um, the new Spider-Man episode. Yeah, we just put out our yeah No Way Home review. So yeah, mm -hmm. you guys can't wait to have you guys back on too. I appreciate all the kind words. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Always great to have you. And whether you like it or not, we're going to have you back. <laughs> <laughs> and you can find me on Twitter at ThomasLayman15 and check out our occasionally released Talking Pictures Trivia B-Side, our sister podcast. It comes out about once a month covering some, some general topics. I can also be found on Twitter at The Nickname. Join us next time for Talking Trivia Trivia, where we take a break from looking at just one movie and do actual movie trivia from a variety of films. Stay tuned for a sample trivia question. Ding, 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 ding. The second round's questions will be related to a league of their own. We are introduced to Tom Hanks with him doing something for an impressive amount of time. What is it? We had two early buzz-ins. Tom? Chewing tobacco. Incorrect. Nick? Chewing gum. Incorrect. Come on, come on. All right, all right, all right. I, I, call, I call a balk on this one because you kind of paused and then finished the sentence. Like, yeah. Well, so I'm going to go in opposite order. Opposite order? <laughs> well, because the, the person that buzzed in the least early. Oh, <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> you better keep that in. I, I think we got to buzz that. Right. Um, Mahoney? <clears throat> uh, he took a leak. That's right. He was being for so long. I they had enough time oh, to get gosh. like a stopwatch. Yes. <laughs> time it. <laughs> Great introduction to Tom Hanks. Do it. Do uh, me a favor. Keep asking the questions like Christopher Walken, please. <laughs> <laughs> Here is the que question. An impressive amount of time. Which I would say not a lot. What did, what did it do that was new? Actually, did we talk about that? No, they had a hook. They had a hook. It had a hook. That's their hook. Yeah. Their hook is the hook. That's their hook.